Lost Talk Radio. Welcome to Weekday Wednesday, Tucson, Arizona's number one online radio podcast about all things medical cannabis. Your host, Bellstar. And the Cannabis Kid. Our show features news, interviews, and all the latest information about anything and everything medical cannabis related in Tucson, Arizona, and the world at large. We'd love to hear from you. Please give us a call live at 646-915-8421. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on all social media, or email thctucson at gmail.com. We'd like to thank Tumbleweed's Health Center and Studio C, along with our many sponsors for hosting our show every week. With the lowest price certifications in town, you'll find hemp products, accessories, and all things related to medical cannabis education. Visit Tumbleweed's Health Center at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard or online at Center.com. And remember, be smart, be safe, and educate. Everybody, where are the bells? Where are the bells? It's damn near February, which means it's practically summertime. It's almost June, which means we're halfway to Christmas. Come in. I know, I can't help myself. I love the new bells, though. It's just so lovely. Nice now. Especially after a nice bong hit. Oh, you guys are really, you just can't keep yourself quiet in Canada. Well, welcome to Wednesday, Wednesday, everybody. For the bestie, it's January 29th, and happy birthday to my heavenly dad. Happy birthday, Pop. I love and miss you. And we always miss our boy on Wednesday, every day. So, almost to, um, oh, and we have a happy heavenly birthday to Silver Sisters. And tomorrow, Mr. Z, happy birthday. Nice. Wow. Um, yeah, I don't even know where it's going. Happy birthday tomorrow. And welcome to We Say Wednesday. All right. Well, let's give some shout outs this morning to Tumbleweed Health Center at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard. Come on down and get certified. Come on down and get educated. Come on down and get some CBD. Get some, we have some really cool hemp backpacks. And I got myself a little hemp wallet. I'm not used to having it, so I misplace it all the time and never know where it is. <laughs> um, yeah, green arms, hello. <laughs> um, <clears throat> what are you guys smoking? Well, I had a little meeting and with some friends yesterday, some new friends. Hello, new friends. And um, one of them said, do you, what are you, do you ever say what you're smoking on air? I said, oh, yeah, all the time. I'm always trying to find out what everybody else is smoking. So this morning, guess what? I don't know what I'm smoking. <laughs> Or Keith, rather, a little fairy dust of love with marijuana there. Um, it's a blend, it's a mix. So, when I had grower rights and I used to grow and I would trim, and we'd uh, cannabis kid accidentally trimmed a lot off of the plant he could take home. He'd flip a bud and go, Oh, look, accident. So, we'd flip these buds and um, we'd have a whole pile of buds we didn't know what they were. Because uh, they just randomly, we just randomly put them in piles. If we accidentally clipped one off the tree before we hung it upside down, we just stick it in a pile. So this is the mystery pile. It's got three little question marks, and it produces the highest amount of keep I've ever had from a from a mystery from any plant. So I don't know what that. It's a combo. It's very nice. Um, anyway, that's what I'm smoking. What are you guys on this morning? Let me know. Cannabis kid is not here. But he will be here next week. Yay. And then, um, God, I can't even believe this. It's going to be eight years. Can you believe it? Eight years of Wednesday, Wednesday in March. So sometime in March, <laughs> when it's convenient for everybody, we'll have a eight-year anniversary radio show. I know Doug Fine's going to be on. Woo-hoo! Speaking of Doug Fine, I'm going to read a little excerpt from his book um, this morning that he sent us. We had a meeting with him as well. Doug, we love you, and we look so forward to hanging out and doing 
uh, good groovy goat things with you. Hi to your family. Let's see. Shout out to Tumbleweed. Check out tumbleweedshealthcenter.com. Radio section, uh, certification section if you want to know what qualifies you in Arizona. And I saw an article, um, I think it was on hightimes.com, about reciprocity and why other states don't have it. So maybe we'll look into that because we do. We do have it, and that's a really great thing for us. Uh, If you're from another state and you have a medical card, you can use your cannabis here and feel safe about it, and that's a really good thing. Now, you can't go to the dispensary and buy it yet. Uh, I know. Uh, But your friends can give it to you. Hey, if you don't have some good soda friends, we better get some. (laughs) So you get your weed, okay? Um, But you can use it here, and that's a really great thing. You know, maybe someday... Um, if legalization happens, and we'll we will definitely talk about that, yeah, uh, in a little bit. But anywho, get on over here and uh, check out our our website. We've got a <clears throat> certification section, a radio show section, a news section, events where we'll be, uh, a great video section, the Cannabis 101, and our store. You can get CBD online on our store now. So check it out. But if you want to know what conditions qualify you for a medical cannabis card, it would be uh, PTSD, cancer, glaucoma, AIDS, chronic pain, severe nausea, seizures, including epilepsy, and including all the other seizures. So um, there's such a big list of those they can't list it, which is the same with agitation of Alzheimer's, uh, dementia, all that. Uh, There's such a big list of Alzheimer's, you just... There it is, agitation of Alzheimer's. It covers it all. <clears throat> HIV, hep C, ALS, Crohn's, cachexia or wasting syndrome, severe and persistent muscle spasms, including multiple sclerosis. Um, we get a lot of folks that come in for uh, leg cramps. They get leg cramps and they subsequently can't sleep because they're in so much pain. And we can we can certify you for that. Fibromyalgia, uh, we have a lot of fibromyalgia patients. Uh, they come in, we can certify you for that. Migraines. Notice I'm listing things down that are not on this state list, but that do fall under chronic pain and um, muscle spasms and things like that. If you didn't hear your condition listed, don't worry. Um, It's probably on there, in there, around there somewhere. And the great thing about this program is that you're eligible for a medical guitar. guitar. You can get a medical guitar. I love it. Come down to Jumbleweeds and have that medical guitar. Uh, You can get a medical card for just the treatment. Uh, so if you're taking something that's causing nausea, headaches, pain, whatever it's causing, um, you can get your card for that. Just come on down and see one of our awesome doctors. If you suffer from one of these medical conditions and have been diagnosed by an Arizona licensed physician, medical cannabis may help relieve your symptoms. Tumbleweeds Health Center is Arizona's premier cannabis certification health and education center. Our primary focus is to help the patients of Arizona obtain their medical marijuana card and educate everyone about medical cannabis. With current medical records, approval is a simple process. Contact Tumbleweeds Health Center to see if you qualify for your Arizona medical marijuana card. That's right. Give us a call, 520-838-4430. You can even email thctucson at gmail.com. And guess what THC stands for? No, not tetrahydrocannabinol. Tumbleweeds Health Center. (laughs) Oh, man. That was a good one. All right. Uh, you can check out the website, tumbleweedshealthcenter.com, and there's all sorts of ways. At the bottom of every page, I believe, there's a form you can fill out and just ask questions. Um, I swear I got one that just said cheesecake. I don't know. They're very strange. We get some really good questions, and we get some just strange, weird comments like that. So whatever you feel you're up to doing. Um, check it out. And also, yes, Grower's House at 3635 East 34th Street. God, I love that address. That's a great address. Check them out for all your growing needs from weed to uh, uh, lettuce, whatever you're growing. Um, butter, lettuce, strawberry. I love my strawberries. I always talk about my little strawberries. And they're so tiny and they're so tasty. Oh, my gosh. 
Um, <clears throat> and you're still growing out in this crazy weather. I'm like, okay, whatever. Grow away, girl. You grow. You grow, girl. Um, so get on down there. They've got lighting systems. They've got um, all sorts of dirt. They've got your hydroponic systems. They've got your aeroponic systems. They've got your fishaponic systems. You can get little fishies to swim around in the water and <clears throat> nibble off the algae, poop it out, it goes back, it fertilizes the plants, and it's a whole like cycle thingy. It's really cool, and it's really neat, and it really works. Uh, <laughs> but you got to keep your fish alive. Yeah. Don't. You know, put chemicals in there that are not, that are not good for your fishy. Uh, so get on down to Grower's House and get your fishaponic stuff. Uh, they're really awesome, very knowledgeable, uh, super friendly, great people. Just get down to Grower's House. Also, uh, Canada Health Online Digital Magazine. You don't have to go anywhere but where you are. Right, Ma? I'll be where I'm at. Check this out. Canada Health is a digital magazine focused on knowledge, safe access, and advocacy with a monthly subscription readership. It's loaded with scientific and clinical articles from various healthcare professionals, profiles of cannabis clinics offering safe access to medicines, national and local organizations open to the public, and real-life patient success stories. It's free to subscribe, so don't miss another issue of Canna Health. All right, so check it out, Canna Health Online Digital Magazine. You can get there right from um, our website. Go to the radio section, and you are right there. So check it out. Uh, do we have Cannabis Kid on the line? I'm not sure if that's you or not. Uh, shoot me a Facebook. Can you Facebook me? Are you driving? Oh, my God, don't. No, don't text and drive. We'll just shoot you a message right now. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, I found an article that's near and dear to my heart because I was just talking about it this morning. Uh, and it's all about hash. Yep, and since I'm flying this ship solo right now, we're going to listen to a story about hash. All right, hold everything. Hash 101. It's actually called, <laughs> I was joking when I said that, but it's actually called Hash Rosin 101 Lessons from Experience. Solventless Extractors. Ooh, your ultimate guide on hash rosin. Wow, okay, check this out. Made with no more than water, heat, pressure, and a few tools, hash rosin has become one of the most prized forms of cannabis resin today. Most hash rosin is made by squishing ice water hash instead of flour at the right temperature and pressure levels for yields that fail to rival solvent extraction. Oh, it also requires high quality and properly maintained starting material to match the flavor and melt quality of something made with hydrocarbon solvents. There are also varying qualities of hash rosin, but thanks to the taste and concentrate connoisseurs, products like uh, <clears throat> live rosin have become the most expensive and limited cannabis products being sold today. Ooh, we got to go get some. To better understand the many forms of modern hash rosin, I sat down with four premier solventless extractors from Michigan with varying perspectives during uh, the last High Times event in Detroit. And folks, if you haven't been to a High Times event, you really just need to go. That's not on your bucket list. That better be on your bucket list. Welcome, Silver Sister, to the show. We didn't see her before, so where's our... There you go. Welcome. This program is really funky, and sometimes um, I know who's there, and sometimes I don't. So, all righty then. Let's see here. Uh, hash lesson. <clears throat> okay. Solventless extractors. Today's hash makers press their hash into rosin and own the titles of solventless extractors. The extractors I spoke to have several years of experience working with rosin. After originally uh, outsourcing their plant material to other hash makers for years, the founders of Superior Flowers, uh, Carrie, started Superior Solventless to create some of the highest-grade single-source hash rosin in the state. Seeing jars with his labels in the stashes of most other competing local hash makers I've met um, speaks oh, I've met speaks volumes to how much his work is respected in the com in the community. 
Tyler of Woho Wax recently took home a second place medal for best non-solvent concentrate with their single source cream de mint at the Michigan Cannabis Cup in 2019. Nice job. Tyler said he's been making hash for about two and a half years, but feels he really found his groove after taking a hash making uh, consult in Las Vegas about a year ago. I love it. You can go all over the world now and, and take classes on how to make your favorite marijuana product. It's looking fantastic. Anthony, a.k.a. the organic mechanic, has been growing and making traditional hash for over 15 years with a focus on pressing rosin over the last two to three years. He's a hash veteran <clears throat> that I've seen doing live demos and pressing hash flowers that guests bring to his booth at the Cannabis Cup over the last few years. Mark from Covert Extracts is one of the first to introduce mechanically separated hash rosin to Michigan cannabis consumers. Using this uh, this technique, he took first place for non-solvent concentrate with the mechanically separated Mother's Milk THCA and terpenes grown by Ghostbusters Farm at the Michigan Cannabis Cup in 2019. Wow, that seems interesting. THCA and terpenes. Holy Toledo. Okay, <clears throat> when it comes to hash rosin, terms like 90U and 120U are different parts of the trichome separated by size. The U, or U to uh, be accurate, is a measurement that refers to the different micron sizes of the holes in the multiple bags used to filter uh, and separate trichomes from the rest of the plant during the washing quote process. Washing is slang for making ice water hash, more specifically, is when plant material is put into a bucket of ice water and stirred before it is strained, leaving only hash behind. However, it's worth noting that dry sipped hash can be made without water and ice, but most of the live rosin on shelves today is made by turning ice water hash made with freshly frozen materials in the rosin. In fact, all four of the hash makers I interviewed use ice water hash over dry sift material when making their rosin. Beyond that, different hash makers include or exclude certain trichome sizes from their final product. As a result, certain jars of hash and rosin being sold on the market are labeled as 90 or 120 full spectrum or some range in between. Wow, we need to get us some of those. Um, Carrie of Superior Solventless broke down the difference between the separate micron sizes and what they mean to consumers. Oh, this is interesting. He compared washing flowers to straining pasta. Big holes let the water out and keep all the stuff you want isolated from falling through. However, in the case of making hash, multiple strainers with smaller and smaller holes are needed to separate the different parts of the trichome from the rest of the plant. So, When you're looking at something like 120 up close, you're going to see things that are intact, basically a stalk, a glandular head right up on top. Then when you see a 90 or a 73, you're mainly going to see heads, heads that have been knocked off stalks. You can even see them both individually in the 73 and the 90. uh, That generally is what melts really well, followed down by 45 and 25. The trichome head has proven to be the most prized component of the plant. The fact that they mostly end up in the 90 and 73 bags, as Carrie describes, is why jars of pure 90 and 73 hash rosin have become more expensive and desired than full-spectrum hash by some. To get a better idea of what goes into the rosin I've been smoking, I asked the four hash makers what sizes they include in their final product and why. Wow, this is, and they're showing pictures of some beautiful, beautiful hash rosin, and we would really just like to have some if anybody wants to send us any. We're at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard. All right, just kidding. Don't get in trouble for mailing this in the mail. Um, okay, when asked if they leave the 25U or anything else out of their full-spectrum rosin, Carrie replied, we do not. Our motto or our philosophy in principle is to be full-spectrum from the beginning to the end of the process. According to Carrie, the 90 and 70 are the meat and potatoes of your dinner plate and make up the majority of the weight of the yield. In fact, he claimed 90U alone makes up 70% of your wash. He warned consumers that if they see a product that's labeled 90 and you see the same strain from the same company in full spectrum form as well, there's a chance that 
the 90 or 73 U were left out of the full spectrum. That means you're only getting 30 per, about 30% of the actual hash, hash spectrum despite the full spectrum label. When asked if he prefers to smoke 90 over full spectrum, Carrie said he personally feels 90 lacks certain flavors and the entourage effect, quote, from missing cannabinoids that would have been in the full spectrum. We have one product. That product is full spectrum. From, um, from there, we manipulate the consistency, he said. <clears throat> the other three hash makers I spoke to leave what they perceive as the less desirable ends of the hash spectrum, like 25 and the much higher microns, out of the final product. Well, what microns make the product? In response to what goes into the uh, to their full spectrum, Anthony from the Organic Mechanic responded, 45 to 159 <clears throat> is what I use for my full spectrum. He added that he leaves out the 25 and 159 uh, because, uh, quote, in my personal opinion, it's all the broken stocks and little pieces of the head that fall through. Anthony also added that you would have to wash an extremely large quantity for the 25 to amount to anything worthwhile. <clears throat> Tyler of Woho Wax agreed by saying, like Anthony said, I catch one, I catch 40 to 159. I've done 25 before and never went above 159. My reasoning for it is it just makes the color a little bit darker, and a lot of people base it, the quality, on color. I didn't notice much of a difference as far as effect. Yields are obviously a little bit better if you're throwing in those bags, but I'll fact, uh, sacrifice the yield for the lighter color. <clears throat> Cobra also found that, in his experience, the 45 to 159 range for his full-spectrum rosin was the best for maintaining the flavor out of the original plant. The remaining hash uh, that get left out of smoke product is still used for capsules or edibles. Oh, that's a, that's a really good idea. Capsules is great. And edibles. Why not? I mean, you, there is no part of this plant that you can't use. It's absolutely fantastic. I asked Carrie why he felt less inclined to leave out the 25, and he admitted the 70 is going to be white, the 25 or the 159 above is going to be the greener, darker, less smelly side. But he added that he believes the ends have beneficial properties, and those parts make up a much smaller portion of the weight of the wash. Furthermore, when you make rosin, you're talking uh, you're taking all the hash and you're putting it through an entire filtration process again, and you can look at that bag and see <clears throat> uh, what's left over. And they're showing examples of the darker and clearer rosins. Uh, never judge a book by its cover. Hash makers are tasked with selecting strains of flour that will provide a sustainable yield and desirable characteristic after being washed and pressed in the rosin. Well, you know what? Hell, I don't care. I'll smoke it. I don't care what it looks like. I love me some hash. <laughs> when asked what his favorite strain to wash, Carrie of Superior Flowers responded, quote, I would say purple pebbles as well as TKP currently. The TKP was very deceptive when I was running through the pheno hunt. The plant uh, to the naked eye doesn't look covered in frost like the cookie strain, quote. Yeah, I've had that deception before. Despite the lack of visible frost of the plant, he assured us the yields from washing the TKP were surprisingly high. And vice versa, he said, if you're familiar with the MAC, look at the MAC, MAC, looking at it, you would think, wow, that thing's covered in frost. Uh, if it gets washed, it's going to be phenomenal. But sometimes that's not the case, and you never want to ju uh, judge a book by its cover. Tyler's current favorite plant, uh, to wash his Sunday driver because it checks every single box from nose to taste in the yield. I want me some Sunday driver. Where do I get that? <clears throat> I don't miss you. He described it as a delicious dessert dab with fruity flavors that speak to the grape pie half of its lineage. Ooh, grape. Grape is a favorite too. The organic mechanic had similar woes with Mac, and Tyler from Woho Wax agreed that he's washed original material that was frosty in appearance but only yielded 0.3%. And when you're getting that little in return, it becomes impossible for hash makers to keep their lights on. To put that 0.3 into perspective, yields for hash-friendly strains like GMO can be as high as 8%. Ooh. Yeah, Anthony from the Organic Mechanics said his favorite strain to wash is GG number four because because it has been 
consistent in every category, including yield, potency, and smell. And smell, smell, a very important trait in our um, ability to, you know, kind of understand and like things, maybe in a way for what we need, you know, because they, they, you know, the five guys on the couch in Montana, they, they say, <clears throat> your nose will tell you. So when you go to the dispensary and you're picking up some flour, smell it all. Ask if you can smell it all. And hopefully they have jars of fresh fresh goods out there for you to smell and not stuff people have touched and taken all the trichomes off of. Ew. Yeah. Okay. The color on this is beautiful. The taste, the yield, the terp on it is just loud. Everybody that has got a hold of it likes it. Also, Cherry Punch from Greener Thumbs Outdoor Grow is another one of my favorite because of the terps. I've never heard anything described like that. It's just loud. I love it. Mark, the lead extractor for Cobert Extract, says his current favorite is the Mountain Cut of Tropicana Cookies, bred by Harry Palms and grown by Ghost Budsters <laughs> Farm because of the prominent terpene profile. He gave GMO an honorable mention as well because, quote, it dumps, it's stinky, and it checks every box for me. It's my go-to, quote. Hmm. Mason Jar Test Wash. <clears throat> Tyler admits that he made the mistake of judging how well a strain would wash based on the quality of its appearance. Yeah, we've all made that mistake. After putting in tons of work processing an extremely large bulk of flour for a friend that ended up looking far better than it yielded, he learned his lesson the hard way. Since it's impossible to rely on looks alone to tell how well a strain will wash after the harvest, uh, Tyler recommends paying attention to genetics and performing a small mason jar test before washing an entire grow and being surprised uh, it didn't yield enough to break even. That's a great idea. Tyler said that when sourcing starting materials, solventless extractors have to truly look for what strains are going to wash well. you got to look at the parents, and then as you're growing them too, you can tell by the size of the head if you're scoping it. <clears throat> a new thing that we started doing is doing a test wash. You can put a small amount of flour in a mason jar with water and ice, then start swishing it around to see if those heads fall off because it can be the frostiest plant ever like the mac and not dump it all. It's, uh, it's got to want to let the head go because we're not after the stock. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Although, don't throw your stocks away. You can cure those. Uh, with the mason jar test method, Tyler says only about half uh, about a half ounce of flour is needed um, rather than using a whole plant or more when it not yield, when it uh, doesn't yield much. Um, so here we go. And uh, can you can you hear me now? There's a question out there. Uh, <clears throat> live rosin versus cured. Are we still on? Looks like it. Um, all right. Looks like we got. Oh, cannabis kid. There you are. Welcome, Cannabis Hello, Kid. Folks. How, How are, are you, everybody? I'm good. good. How are you doing? I'm hanging in there. Good. We have to... Yeah? Are you listening to the rosin, rosin effect? <laughs> I am. I'm hearing it all. Awesome. That's really, really interesting. I really want to get, like, a little jar and, and do some tests with some stuff because I've actually done that where I've, I've had strains that were so – Frosty, as they call it, and I threw it in the, you know, um, our tech guy, who we love and miss, gave me a little wash machine uh, for hash, and um, it, I threw a strain in, and I thought it was going to be the bomb, and it came out. I was like, oh, and then I threw other stuff in, and it was really unreal. So, you know, don't ever judge a book by its cover. We love our hash, don't we, Cannabis Kids? <laughs> sure do. Now it has. Now with hash. We should have a store called that. Now with hash. All right. Um, all right. Well, we do have someone hanging on the line here. You want to open up the doors and say good morning? Let's see who's going on here. All right. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Great good show. Thank you. Good morning. Good Thank morning. you for being here with us. We appreciate it. We always love our listeners calling in. Are you, oh, are yeah. you a hash I don't fan? know about Roger. Well, I'm, I'm a pure flower girl. <laughs> oh, okay. Yep. I, that, it's all that's about the bud. Pretty much. 
Yep, pretty much me every day. I like my flower. Anything I have to torch kind of scares me. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Don't want to burn the house down. Yeah. Right? So are you calling from right. Arizona? Where are you calling in from? Tucson, Arizona. Oh, there you have it. Tucson, Arizona is waking up this morning with their weed. Are you are you smoking already? What are you smoking? Uh, Blue Dream to start the day out. You know. The oh, that's a good one. Yep, that's a very good standard. That's like your good morning cup of coffee. That you go in. Exactly. But helps relax your muscles and keep you going. <laughs> we had a patient that used to play guitar on on Blue Dream. Said, he said he played it for hours. <laughs> no so it's kidding. a little creative as well. Yeah. Yeah, it can be a creative strain. All right. What are your thoughts on, yeah, we, we have a question out there for you from one of, uh, from Silver Sister. What are your thoughts on legalization for Arizona? Good question. You know, I'm kind of torn. Um, have you read the initiative? I no, not completely. Okay. Might not be torn after you read it. <laughs> but which way are you torn? <laughs> well, kind of both ways. And maybe it has nothing to do with the initiative. It has more to do with uh, I want the quality to always be there. And I'm concerned about recreational and quantity and the quality going away. Yeah. Well, and I've heard a lot of stuff um, about the quality not uh, not going to be there, and it's going to be different for recreational than it is for medical. And it, 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 there are a lot of parts of this legalization. Um, well, actually, for people that even haven't read it, <clears throat> by law, the people that are asking you to sign the um, – to get signatures or to petition it to get it on the ballot, they don't even have to give you all the information. They only have to give you 150 to 200 words. So they're going to tell you things like uh, you get an, you get you still get your cannabis. I don't know if they're tell you that they're only going to give you an ounce, so they're going to take away an ounce and a half of your cannabis. And I don't know if it's if it's 0.5 grams. I think that you can only have in concentrate. There's not going to be a delivery system until 2023, which even at then it may or may not come into play. Um, and they're still going to enforce felonies, so it's not really legalization. We're, you know, if if they were going to enforce, you know, petty offenses, maybe, uh, but it's not. You know, for them, it's still just about the money. There's no mom and pop shops that are going to be allowed to be involved. Um, there, are, there's a whole lot. We're making a list of stuff so that people understand why we're we are not voting for it, and it's not a good legalization program if they're still threatening a felony. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, that's and the legislation legislative one. I hate that word. That's like opiates. I hate the opioid. <laughs> little bit Cunningham. Um, the little the legislative one just blatantly says it right in there. Uh, in the initiative that you will get a class 6 felony um, if you're uh, caught with it or you know not supposed to have or you have over your limit or whatever And um, but it's not a good program it's not a good legalization program and if people read the entire bill um, I mean and there are so many other reasons that it's, it's just about the money for them um and there are very select dispensaries that are involved in this, and they're just trying to monopolize the game for themselves. They're not going to let anyone else have a business of any sorts for you know anything regarding not cannabis. Good. I mean, the medical will the me- medical will still stay. I I did call the state of Arizona, and what you know, and what they always say. As far as I know, medical's still going to stay because they're still going to make money off that um, because. People really do want to see doctors. And if you stay in the medical program, there's a delivery service. You get two and a half ounces of whatever the heck you want to have. There are no felonies threatened to you. Um, right. So it's a much 
No, I'm quite happy with my medical marijuana card. Yeah, I am too. And most people are real happy now that it's it's two years. You know, they've really helped out a lot with fees for people. Yeah, it's really helped people out a lot. Um, and more people are coming out to get certified because of that reason. Uh, it's basically half price. <laughs> amnita amnesia. I see. I can't even see it. Amnita, amnita amnesia. We miss you over here. <laughs> oh yeah. Blew your cover. I definitely miss my tumbleweeds. Yeah, we're so happy you called in. I kept thinking, like, I know that number. Yeah. Cannabis Kid, did you know that? I had no idea. You didn't recognize her sweet voice? What's wrong with you? I haven't had a caller in a while. Don't worry, he hasn't called me in a while either. Wow. Well, it's the old gang is back in here. That's All awesome. Fun. <laughs> that is super fun. That is. Oh, well, well, I've been well we. Show. Oh, thanks. We know how much we all love uh, our hash, our our um, our keef even. I just love the keef because you can just sprinkle it on. I make little, you know, Oreo keef sandwiches with my weed and some keef and some weed. Um it's pretty good. Uh, and I just had had one and then found this article on High Times about this whole process. So, you know, we have all, because we have all had the classes at Tumbleweeds at one point, and we probably all taught them, and we've all done this at each other's, well, I know at my home, we've played around with um, extracting uh, hash and keef. And we did the wash method, and I seem to remember we yielded quite a bit at one point with that wash method. And now I do the dry ice kind of a sifting method, which is um, which is a whole lot easier for me because uh, I'm not as strong to, you know. The well, the I, you don't have to do that in the, as much. You do have to do it a little bit, where you lift out the bag and it's got all your heavy cannabis in it that you've washed everything out of so you know that kind of hurts my back so the dry eye shifting is is pretty cool i do want to do the jar test though because i think that's a very interesting uh little test to see some ice water and some weed there you go you can see there you go how much hash you're going to get off of it we need to have a hash party that's for sure hash party I haven't done dry yeah. ice in a long time, but it yields so much, and a little goes a long way. Yes, it does. It does. It does. And we got a grinder. Uh, someone gave us a sample grinder at Tumbleweed called the Herb Saver Grind, Store, Collect. And it has a great little screen. I don't know the microns of the screen, um, but it's got a great little screen. And certain strains of mine produce more keep than others, but... It's a great little little device. We just might have to get some at Tumbleweeds. I sure do enjoy this one. I did have to clean it the other day with some rubbing alcohol because my weed is sticky. <laughs> so it clogs it up a bit. Indeed it is. <laughs> oh, good time. All right. Well, I will continue reading if you would like to listen to the rest of the rosin makers. I want to... I'd like to do some of this That's stuff, but this stuff looks That's sick. Amazing. Have you had to torch any stuff? You guys, either of you torched anything? Like, you know, I we've had it. I mean, I know we've had torched stuff at various places where they have their own little dab bars, <laughs> and you can go up, and they torch it for you, but I've never tried it at home. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had a family visitor that brought over something that was interesting that you kind of torched off the side. Um, I enjoyed it, but again, I'm a flower girl all the way. Yeah, yeah, I am too. I I, I just like the pure pure bud. What are you yep. What are you smoking these days? Green uh, uh, blue dream and what else? Blue dream in the morning. Um, Little OG eighteen in the afternoon. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, nighttime. I like my candy ring. 
Oh, is that a good indica? Yes. Yep. Candy rain. Yeah. That sounds interesting. Just, uh, it mm. helps me sleep. Yeah. Excellent. So for some people, I'm sure it would wake them up. <laughs> oh, so it's a full <laughs> sativa? Because <laughs> that was... Sativa does that for me. I hit a sativa and I'm like, oh, I'm going to take a nap now. <laughs> I'm, I'm the absolute opposite. All right. Yeah, well, you'd right, probably well, we, wake up off of Candy Rain then. Yeah, I just might. I don't know. I like indica all day for pain and um, inflammation yeah. and focus. It's better for me for focus. Like I said, I don't do well with sativa, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It slows my brain down a little bit so I can get on the regular page with everybody else. Gotcha. <laughs> a little slow in the green room, guys. Uh, we still have Cannabis Kid out there? I'm here. He's there. All right. Are you guys both driving to work these, right now? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Drive careful. All right. Here we go. We'll we'll I don't want to lullaby you with some hat we'll get you excited about hash. Just focus on the road. Here we go. Most modern hash makers exclusively work with live uh or freshly frozen uh starting material. This is best illustrated by the fact that only one of the four hash makers um use dry cured flour. Uh Anthony from Organic Mechanic said he preferred using fresh frozen starting material over cured and replied, I would do either one if the product was taken care of. That's a very good comment there because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to extract something out of a a poorly taken care of product. However, he finds flavor can be lost during the curing process. On the other hand, the other three hash makers exclusively work with live products for a number of reasons. Terry said in his experience at Superior Solvent List, he observed differences in the yield, color, potency, and consumer demand. Tyler used both live and cured products before the Woho Wax team, uh, deciding to use only fresh flo- frozen flowers. Tyler says that in his experience, the yield was higher with cured material. Despite this, he exclusively runs live material um, because of the enhanced flavor and the fact that it melts better in his experience. Mark prefers live because it tastes better, the color is obviously better, and that's been enough to keep him exclusively working with fresh, frozen flowers. So, see, that's interesting because we've heard so many times not to freeze your flowers, but maybe they're just, like, flash freezing them to get them ready for um, extraction. Um, I asked a few of the hash makers if they noticed any differences when extracting flour they grew themselves versus outsourcing plant material. Uh, Quote, this is probably my favorite question so far because this, to me, is where you really get your difference in hash quality. We do everything single source, uh, quote, said Tyler of Woho Wax. He says the reason for this is growing for hash is different than growing for flour. Growing for hash. For starters, I'm not defoliating as much as I am for hash because I'm trying to get as much surface area as much as I can. On top of that, I crank my room down as cold as I possibly get for the last three weeks because that preserves the terpenes, which is what we're ultimately after. Another reason is because I've taken other people's material and it doesn't always yield well. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news to somebody that they're getting 0.3% back on a wash. When asked if he also noticed the difference when washing the same strain from his own grow compared to somebody else's, Kerry of Superior Solvent List admits the experiences were not the same. Quote, for example, we washed wedding cake that we grew and got 5%. We washed someone else's and got 3%. Quote. Um, mechanical separations versus jar tech. There are two additional ways for hash makers to further process hash after it has been turned into rosin. Using these techniques, they can turn the consistency of the rosin into something closer to a live uh, resin, a live resin sauce. Uh, one is called jar tech, which just about anyone should be able to do at home with a jar of fresh pressed rosin, a source of heat, time, and patience. 
The consistency it creates has been uh, called jam or caviar by Superior Solventless, and it contains small crystals with a more uh, liquidy, high terpene layer. The layers combine to create an applesauce-like consistency that, uh, that is less likely to change at room temperature than fresh-pressed rosin. Unlike the washing and pressing phases, the hash makers I spoke to claim little to no weight is lost after a jar of hash rosin undergoes the jar tech. On the other hand, the other technique, which uh, involves mechanically separating THCA out of the oil, comes with a more significant yield loss. If you come across a jar of solventless rosin with large THC crystals and oil in it, they were most likely mechanically separated with the press and filters. Then the crystals are melted down and manipulated into a shape of choice. Usually they are made to mimic the appearance of popular live resin extracts made with hydrocarbon solvents. The picture they're showing looks like crystals, actually, like something you'd see at the gem show. <laughs> uh, mechanical separation, according to Mark of Covert Extracts, um, Mechanically separated THCA, you need wax rosin in order to make mechanically separated THCA. From there, he says, to separate the THCA from terpenes, I usually press the rosin wax in a 25U press bag at about 135 degrees to start, with a very low pressure at first before building to almost max pressure. Then I repeat at different temps until I feel enough terpenes are separated. From there, you can take the THCA melted down into a glass-like consistency at around 240 to 250 degrees. Comparing it to the jam tech or fresh press, Mark said, it's a long process and you have about a 25% loss in yield, but potency and appearance of the final product sets it apart. The process appears um, <clears throat> to further isolate THCA and hash rosin with Mark claiming to have had some testing at uh, about 92% THCA. There was a point in time when most hash looked the same. It was a dark brown or green in color, grainy and, and stretchy. That same hash commonly came in a brick, a ball, a bullet that may have traveled inside someone's um, arse, I'll say, before getting to you. Ew. Fortunately, today's hash uh, has it far more refined and versatile, uh, made in the under the right condition that looks lighter in color, can take on the form of dry, sift, ice wax, rosin, live rosin, jam, or mechanically separated hash rosin. No, not to mention the various consistencies that rosin can be shape shifted into, like uh, cake batter, sugar, or applesauce. All right, there you have it. Educations on hash rosins. That's crazy. I just like making my dry ice uh, sift. And I don't know what. Um, it's usually really light in color, so I'm imagining it's a finer uh, screen number. Is that how that goes? So the, the, the smaller the number, the tinier the holes that are in the screen. Is that how that works? Am I backwards? Oh, I, I, I usually get this backwards. Y'all know out there. Uh, Silver Sister, am I backwards? Um, anywho, we love the weed. And um, you know what else we were going to do is we're going to read um, an excerpt from our friend Doug Fine's latest book. American Hemp Farmer. All right. So we'll see if we can get to this. We've got about 12 minutes left. Um I think it's bigger numbers, smaller holes. Yeah, you're probably right. Okay. So, here, this is from Doug Fine. We love you, Doug. And um, this is called The Bear Attack That Made Me a Hemp Farmer. Um, American Hemp Farmer is here. Adventures and Misadventures in the Cannabis Trade by Doug Fine. Woohoo! A short excerpt from American Hemp Farmer and thoughts on the five-year journey to follow uh, follow up on hemp bounce. <clears throat> Six years ago, a bear fleeing a wildfire in our New Mexico backyard uh, killed nearly all of my family's goats right in front of our eyes. It wasn't the bear's fault. He was a climate refugee. It was June of 2013, and drought had weakened the ponderosa pines and Douglas fir surrounding our remote Funky Butte ranch. Beetles took advantage, and all of southern New Mexico was a tinderbox. Ho-hum, just another climate event that until recently would have been called a millennial fire. That's the paramount reason I'm overworked 
uh, I'm an overworked employee of the hemp plant. The people I care about most <clears throat> are one blaze away from joining the world's 20 million uh, climate refugees. At least I get the pleasure of putting goat sitter under occupation on my tax form. And I bet he does. The conflagration convinced me that I had to do something personally to work on this uh, climate change problem. After some research about carbon sequestration through soil building, it became clear that planting as much hemp as possible was the best way to actively mitigate climate change and help restore normal rainfall cycles to our ecosystem. At least the fire's timing was good. Hemp was de facto legalized for, quote, research purposes, quote, in 2014, two months before the publication of my earlier book uh, about hemp, hemp bound, uh, I've spent the five years uh, in I've spent the five ensuing years not just covering the new industry but joining it, developing genetics in Oregon and a farm-to-table product in Vermont, consulting, filming, speaking all over the world on uh, university research in Hawaii, teaching a college course near the Canadian border in Vermont. Most of all, I met farmed and processed with dozens of fellow uh, hemp farmers all over the world. We all consider ourselves part of a functioning regenerative industry niche uh, with a mission statement best described as, quote, this time the farmers are in charge, quote. That's from the introduction to American Hemp Farmer. I wrote it in large part because as anyone who has um, leapt in can attest, planting hemp and making a living at it can be two different endeavors. American Hemp Farmer endeavors to blueprint possibilities for independent farmers like myself who'd like to do both, particularly on their own land. If a lot of things go right, an independent farmer or farmer cooperative can make a viable living on a small number of acres. That ain't exactly the way agriculture has been going for the past century. Just how many acres depends most of all um, on the part or parts of the cannabis plant you are cultivating, seed, flower, fiber, root. Another variable is whether you're planning to create a value-added product. A third is if you're going at it alone or in partnership uh, with others. Regardless, the good news is being in a hemp field is the most fun you can have outside the bedroom. <laughs> there you go. That's from Doug. If you're like me, you learn to relish every moment on the farm because often at this uh, early phase, we have to shape regulatory policy, which means spending time off the farm. In fact, as any hemp permit holder in any state can tell you, we're in a bit of code red situation at the moment. Right as American hemp farmer comes out, those of us who want to see the regenerative hemp industry uh, thrive are rallyingly to immediately raise the federal THC definition of hemp to 1%. Right now it's at 0.3%. There are a lot of reasons for this, but the immediate catalyst is that the USDA interim final hemp regulations that came out uh, in December uh, criminalized THC above 0.5%. That, of course, is insane. Plus, far too many farmers are testing, quote, hot, quote, over micro amounts of THC under today's antiquated 0.3% definition of hemp. The last folks who should be burdened about, the th about THC are farmers. The war on cannabis is over. And cannabis won. Yay. So sometimes I think we're wise to give thanks for bad bureaucr uh, bureaucratic decisions. Everyone's justifiably fired up, and we're going to win this one, just like we're going to win all battles that need to be fought to support the regenerative hemp farmers who are sequestering carbon while rebuilding rural communities. So we got to tweak federal law again. No biggie. Please join us. Call your congressperson and senators today on this. Let's get this one done this year so we can rally uh, rally, and really build our genetics with confidence. Regenerative, uh, regenerative farmers are going to save humanity. Uh, there's much more policy to discuss, and it's in the book. But the field is where the endorphins flow. It's a sunny day here in the land of enchantment, so I'm heading out to lay some goat poop-laden organic alfalfa on my future 2020 field. Yikes. Less than four months until planting, and I've got a dang book tour, which I'd love you to check out. More dates being added all the time here, and um, we'll, we will figure out how to post that on our website for you guys so you can catch Doug because he's really awesome. And he says, in closing, it's so appropriate that American Hemp Farmers celebrating its release at the 7th NOCO Hemp Expo. NOCO 7, for one thing, it's the biggest and best hemp 
event in the world, a must-attend immersion if you're considering leaping in uh, to hemp, a plant that has launched the biggest economic development since Silicon Valley. Also, at NOCO 1 in 2014, which had 19,500 fewer attendees than NOCO 7, uh, I performed my first live event following the publication of Hempbound. Morris, Lizzie, Lori, and the whole NOCO family have been supporting my work and regenerative hemp nonstop ever since. My NOCO 7 keynote and book signing times will be announced soon. To stay in the loop for the latest, you can join my dispatches from the Funky Butte uh, Ranch mailing list. Oh, and if you do make your pre-order, pre-order via the link in this dispatch, you're supporting independent bookstores. In this case, Denver's Magnificent Tattered Cover. Use Expo. Oh, use the code Expo, E-X-P-O in capital letters. Uh, if you want to pick up your signed copy at the NOCO Expo, and of course, otherwise, they'll ship anywhere. As well, when the book hits general release on April 8th, you'll be able to get it at bookstores everywhere. I don't think I will ever stop sending truly profound things to everyone who reads American Hemp Farmer and Hemp Bound. I couldn't do it without you. And that's from Doug Butte at the Funky Butte Ranch, January 20, 2020. All right, give it up for Dougie. And Doug's going to be on our um, eight-year anniversary radio show coming up in March sometime. So that's awesome. Um, and let's see, is there a little, oh yeah, there's a little bit about Doug. Let's just read that because we have a moment about Doug Fine. Doug Fine is a solar-powered goat herder, a comedic investigative journalist, best-selling author, and pioneer voice in regenerative farming. Regenerate, regenerative. I can't even say that. Regenerative farming. <laughs> Uh, including cannabis and hemp. He has cultivated hemp for food and seed building in four states and teaches a Sterling College hemp class in Vermont. In addition, he's an award-winning culture and climate correspondent from five continents for NPR, the New York Times, and the Washington Post, among others. His books include American Hemp Farmer, Hemp Bound, Too High to Fail, Farewell, My Subaru, a Boston Globe bestseller, Not Really an Alaskan Mountain Man, and First Legal Harvest, a monograph that was printed on hemp paper. Willie Nelson calls Doug work, Doug's work a blueprint for the America of the future. The Washington Post says, Fine is a storyteller in the mold of Douglas Adams. A website of Doug's print and radio work, United Nations Testimony and TED Talk is at DougFine.com. And his social media handle is at Organic Cowboy. So check it out. We love you, Doug. We can't wait to see you again and hang out and... and be happy and healthy in hemp in our hemp fields. Woo-hoo. All right. So um, if you're still on the air, thank you, Cannabis Kid and Amnita Amnesia for uh, joining us this morning. And Silver Sister is there. And um, we want to give a shout out to Tumbleweed Health Center at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard. Come on down and get certified. Uh, you can get certified. We have Two doctors on staff Monday through Friday, at least 10 to 4. So if you don't have uh, medical records or documentation of your diagnosis, um, you can come on down and we can help you establish those records and get you seen in one day, which is awesome. We have doctors seven days a week. That's right. We are there on Sundays for your certification needs. So come on down, get certified, get some CBD. Um, Come check out our beautiful... A little shop that we have there with accessories and, like I said, hemp bags and wallets and purses and even dog leashes and collars. Yay for dog leashes and collars. So come down and check it out. Um, Also, if you're wondering what conditions uh, will get you a medical cannabis card before we head out here, we'll just tell you. PTSD, uh, cancer, glaucoma, AIDS, chronic pain severe nausea, seizures, including epilepsy, uh, HIV, hep C, ALS, Crohn's disease, agitation of Alzheimer's disease, cachexia or wasting syndrome, severe or persistent muscle spasms, including multiple sclerosis. If you didn't hear your uh, name on the list, don't worry. Um, You can most likely get certified with what you have. The state um, has all these parameters we can fit you into. So it's, it's all a good thing. Uh, thank you to Growers House. Thank you to Canna Health Online Digital Magazine. Thank you to everybody for calling in this morning. We love you guys. <clears throat> we look forward to our eight-year anniversary show next week. Cannabis Kids on there. Uh, happy birthday to my pops today. Happy birthday to your pops tomorrow. 
And you guys have a great week day Wednesday. Don't smoke some good weed. And um, be nice to each other. Be kind to each other, don't we say. Happy Wednesday, folks. Have a good one. Everyone, tell them about weed. Put your weed in it. <laughs>